Well, we come to our final week in our Game of Life series, and our topic today, as you saw, is health. And so, to get there, we're going to begin with Steve Carell. All right, Steve Carell of The Office, you know, uh, long ago, back in 2012, Steve Carell was in a little movie called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. It was one of those apocalyptic romantic comedies. You know, you've seen millions of them. And uh, a huge genre. Anyhow, in this movie, there is an enormous asteroid that is hurtling towards Earth, which will destroy all of life on the planet as we know it. And faced with certain death, most people begin to live every day as if it were their last day. They've got a few weeks till it comes uh, you know, but they're not thinking about any of the consequences because it's gonna, they're going to die so soon, then who cares how bad the consequences are, right? You don't have to live with it for too long. So people just start going crazy. Well, Steve's character is named Dodge, and Dodge was already depressed before this news about the end of the world came, and he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't really know how to adjust to this doomsday reality. So he just, at first, goes about his regular routine. He gets up in the morning, goes to work, has meetings at work with the four other people that decided to come to work, one of which is a woman who's crying hysterically the whole time. It's hilarious and dark, but still. And, uh, and then after work, he goes to the gym to work out, just like a normal guy would, right? And uh, the gym is a ghost town. It's just... Dodge on the treadmill watching the news <laughs> about the asteroid, and then there's this one other buff bodybuilder guy in front of the mirror doing curls. All right, this is the picture. And it's a perfect scene for our purposes today because it captures the many different levels of how we currently think of health and fitness. First, there's Dodge himself, he is working out largely because it's routine. You know, it's just what he always does. But as the movie shows, as we go along with his character, the movie shows that he's kind of a straight-laced type of guy. He's a dutiful guy. He does what you're supposed to do. He behaves and he obeys the rules. So even when the world is about to end, certainly, you know, he still stays true to what he's supposed to do, to be a good person. You know, to be a productive member of society. You know, to be, a, to be a good person, you're supposed to stay healthy. You're supposed to eat right and exercise. And so Dodge just keeps going with his routine, right? He's a dutiful guy. He goes to the gym to work out. So he's our first perspective. You know, it's just the right thing to do. Then there's the buff guy behind him working out and, uh, you know, doing curls in the mirror. And health and fitness for him are not just a part of life. They are life, right? This is all that there is. The world's about to end. What else will I do? I'm just going to go to the gym because this is life. I work out all the time. I exercise. I try new diets all the time to cut fat and build muscle, you know, whatever it is. And uh, I'm supposed to be getting bigger, faster, stronger till the day I die. That's this guy. It's the obsessive type. And I think that he actually represents uh, really the zeitgeist of today. This is, I think, the the fad of our time is that we really uh, think uh, health and fitness are the most important thing. And you see it all over, the, all over the place, especially on Instagram these days, where everybody from celebrities to our own friends are like posting their workouts 
you know, and then they're posting their meals so that we can see what they're doing and feel bad about ourselves and, you know, (laughs) see what they're eating. And then also, you know, they've got the before and after pictures and all that stuff. It's all over the place. We're obsessed with health and fitness right now in our culture. And it's not just the bodybuilder. You can lump into here the health food nut as well. They're just coming at the same, they're coming at it from the same, excuse me, coming at the same issue from a different angle. The bodybuilder is just all about exercise, and the health food nut's all about what we eat. So they're the same group, just different angles. And I love in the movie that the buff guy's just standing there, you know, just doing curls in front of the mirror. And it reveals the other part of this obsessive type, which is the vanity, the narcissism, right? You know, that uh, we're obsessed with our appearance, that we're desperate to look good, because we want to be desirable, right? We want somebody to want us. So the buff guy, that's the buff guy. And now the third one is represented by all the people that are not in the gym, okay? Everybody else is out doing something else with their last days on earth. Uh, They're not exercising, they're not worrying about their health because they know that they're gonna die in just a matter of days. They know that they're going to die. And this is the afraid-to-die type. And this is really a big motivator for much of our health and fitness, is that we're afraid to die. We don't want to die. And it's behind the other two. It's behind the dutiful person. It's behind the bodybuilder, the obsessive type. They're also afraid to die. They're supposed to, you know, this is, we're trying to stay in shape so that we can live longer. We're trying to eat better so that we can be healthy longer. And I saw two examples of this this past week. The first one was J-Lo. It was Jennifer Lopez, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. She had a photo shoot on her yacht in Saint-Tropez, which I know you've all done, we've all done it. And um, <clears throat> so she's on her yacht in Saint-Tropez with this photo shoot, and it's a literal photo shoot just for one Instagram post. She has a whole shoot for one Instagram post. All right, And she's in her white one-piece swimsuit, and across it, it says, Forever Young in gold, written across her chest. She's 50, okay, but she does not look 50 at all, all right? If I looked like her at 50, I would be in my one-piece white bathing suit too. (laughs) But um, she is telling us loud and clear, all right, she's making a very loud and clear statement that her goal is to be forever young. Okay, you remember that amazing song by the band Alphaville, 1984, Johnny knows it. Forever young, I want to be forever young. Go watch the video on YouTube after church. I tell you, you will not be sorry. It is amazing. It'll give you all those wonderful 80s memories. And um, so anyway, J-Lo wants to be forever young. The other one was Demi Moore. Demi Moore, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, this month she posed nude on the Harper's Bazaar cover. She's 56, okay? So she is, and she doesn't look 56 either, you know? And I'm not going to say what I would do if I looked like that at 56, but anyway. (laughs) The message is loud and clear from J-Lo and Demi Moore. We've got to do whatever we can to not age. We don't want to die we got to stay forever young, all right? This is largely a big, you know, the big motivator behind our health and fitness. 
And so all of these, captured by that one scene in Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, all of these show us our confused relationship with health and fitness. But what is a biblical perspective on it? Is there a biblical perspective on it? You know, we don't ever read in the Gospels about Jesus squeezing in a quick workout. You know, on the way to Galilee, Jesus led his disciples in a circuit of burpees and lunges. It never happens, you know? And um, it's not in there because they lived in a completely different context, in a completely different culture. You know, most people in that time worked very hard jobs that required physical labor of some kind. So just doing their work actually kept them in pretty decent shape. And they had to walk everywhere, right? So they didn't have Fitbits, you know, trying to track their steps. Did I get enough steps today? Of course you did, because you had to walk everywhere, literally everywhere. So they were just naturally more physically active. And their diet was way healthier, right? It was the Mediterranean diet. It was based on, <laughs> you know, you guys have all read books on it and you've all tried it. You know, that's what it was. You know, it was fish, fruit, vegetables, all that stuff, the occasional cow and goat from their ceremonial meals, you know, whatever it was. But it was, it was nirvana for the organic whole foods nut. You know, that's <laughs> what they were doing. But they didn't have the same problems as we do today. You know, they didn't have the problems with sugar and with salt, with processed foods, or with the sedentary lifestyles. It's not what they were struggling with. So there was no need to really emphasize exercise and diet all the time in the scriptures, as if this was something you had to worry about. However, it is also still clear that taking care of ourselves is an important principle in scripture. We see it from the very beginning. In creation, God creates us, and he gives us responsibility to be good stewards of all of creation, everything that he made, including our own bodies. We are the pinnacle of creation. And so taking care of ourselves is a part of us being good stewards with the world. And we see when God tells Adam and Eve that he's given them all the seeds and the, the plants and the fruits and everything like that for food, he cares about their nourishment, right? We see it again with the Israelites when they're wandering in the desert. God provides manna and quail. He provides everything that they need so that they can stay healthy, so that they can stay sustained. And we also see the importance of food and the enjoyment of it, because we have a tendency to think, you know, food is fuel. You know, we get kind of rigid with our thinking. But we see that food is actually something to be enjoyed, and we see it from Jesus himself. He loved hanging out with people over meals. That was one of the main ways he got to know folks. Jesus loved to party, so he loved to eat, and, uh, and he enjoyed food. So we see that, and we see it in our, the thing that we remember every week. He gave us a meal to remember him, the Lord's Supper. And we may not see Jesus working out in the Gospels, you know. He's never doing any pull-ups or push-ups or anything like that. But I, I bet you he was ripped anyway. But, um, <clears throat> you know, sorry, it's my little aside. Um, <clears throat> you know, we do see him doing something else. And that is that he heals people all the time. He heals. He cares about bringing the hurting and the broken, uh, the broken bodies, the broken minds of the sick back to a place of health and fitness. We also see it in Paul today. We hear it in his 
passage in 1 Timothy here where he says that training the, body, training the body is of some value. He, doesn't, he says it's not of ultimate value, but it is still of value. There's something to it. He says it right in the paragraph right before our passage uh, today. He says, God created food to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. And we hear him reference multiple times athletes and, you know, the, the metaphors for sports that he uses. And in doing that, he's got this implication that uh, the principles of training and fitness, it's a positive thing, he's saying. And he wants us to take those principles and apply it to our spiritual lives. And then finally, one of the things we see at the end of the book, uh, in Revelation, we see the promise of eternity. And we see that we're going to sit at the Lord's table and enjoy the great feast of the Lamb. Scripture has a, is saturated with images, excuse me, from the beginning to the end. Images and stories of God providing and caring for our physical being, for our physical wellness. So health and fitness is valuable to God, and so it's valuable to us. The issue is when it becomes of ultimate value for us. Remember the bodybuilder, you know, staring at himself in the mirror. When we go there, when we go to the same place as J-Lo and Demi Moore, you know, when we're putting out our Instagram posts of ourselves just showing how great we look, you know, no matter what our age, trying to be age-defying people. We're just doing the same old thing that we always love to do. And that's we're trying to save ourselves. We're trying to take control and we're trying to prevent death. We're trying to stay forever young. Or we're doing the other thing, which is we're trying to make sure that people love us. We're trying to make sure that we're handsome enough or beautiful enough or sexy enough, whatever it is, just so someone will find us desirable because we're desperate to be wanted. This is the way we often use health and fitness in our lives. It's the same old story behind our dysfunctional relationships with ourselves and with everything else in the world, right? Our sin is constantly telling us that it is up to us. That's the loudest message from your sin, in case you wondered. You you have individual sins I know that you struggle with, but behind all of them is this message that it is up to you and you've got to save yourself. You have got to be better. You've got to do it. It's on your shoulders. It's your responsibility. You've got to prove yourself. And the sad reality is that even when we do look as good as J-Lo and Demi Moore, which some of you do, praise God, um, (laughs) even when we look that great in our 50s, the truth is we know it's not going to stay. It won't last. No matter how much we try. Our great poet from New Jersey, you didn't think I was going to get him in there. But I promised you somebody from New Jersey every week, and you're getting him. And this is the boss. We're going to stick with Bruce Springsteen. He's saying this. I've done my best to live the right way. I get up every morning and go to work each day. But your eyes go blind and your blood runs cold. Sometimes I feel so weak, I just want to explode. Explode and tear this whole town apart. Take a knife and cut this pain from my heart. No matter what we do, 
no matter how hard we try, no matter what diet, or no matter how much exercise, we can never get this pain out of our hearts. We can't stop our eyes from going blind. We can't stop our blood from going cold. Our bodies are going to break here in this world. We cannot save ourselves from death. But Jesus speaks right there. He speaks right into that place. He speaks to our souls. And he speaks to our bodies. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is telling us that he is the one who satisfies our hungry and thirsty souls. He's the one that heals our broken and aging bodies. This is his great promise to you and to me. These promises are for us. He sets us free from our fear of death, that thing that drives us so often to perform, you know, to prove ourselves, to earn our way. He sets us free from that fear because he displays his power over death. He is risen, right? This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus has shown that the grave has no power over him, that death has no power over him. He is the Lord. He's the one that created us. And that's true for you. He's giving that promise to you. Listen to what he says. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's God's promise to you and to me. He promises to never lose us. He promises to raise us up on the last day. These promises are for us. I know it's true. You might be doubting. You might be wondering, does that really apply to me? It does, because you're sitting here. He brought you here to hear that promise today. He wants you to know that he will not lose any of those who the Father brings to him. And guess what? The Father has brought you here today. Jesus wants you to hear that he has died for your sins, that he has paid the penalty for you. So now death has no more control, no more power over you. The grave will not be able to hold on to you. He says it, I will raise you up on the last day. So no matter what state your body is currently in, he promises you a brand new one. He promises you to be restored, to be renewed, to be healed forever. No more sore joints, right? I've got a few of those. No more, you know, cancer. No more sickness. No more death. Jesus promises you'll be made new. He promises this to you today, and he always, always, always keeps his promises. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have given us bodies to use and to enjoy. We thank you that you care about us and our health. And Lord, we thank you that no matter what, 
you promise to make it all new again, that we will be made new with you and we will enjoy eternity with you. That is our great hope, Lord. We thank you for these promises. We thank you that you will raise us up on the last day. We pray that you keep that firmly fixed in our minds this week as we go out from here, and I pray that you would use us to share that good news with the world out there that is so desperately trying to save itself. I pray that we would proclaim you, the Savior, to them. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.